We are joined on the podcast today by Father Timothy Gallagher, a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, a religious community dedicated to retreats and spiritual formation according to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. He is on the show to talk about his new book published through the Sophia Institute Press called Discernment of Spirits in Marriage, Ignatian Wisdom for Husbands and Wives, which, oh my goodness, guys, that book was phenomenal. I um, am a big reader of Father Timothy Gallagher books, and this book really was just so fabulous. So the link to purchase the book is in the show notes, and I am so excited to share my chat with Father Gallagher with y'all. From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Discerning Marriage Podcast, hosted by Elizabeth Busby. Hey, y'all, it's Elizabeth here. Welcome back to the Discerning Marriage Podcast. I am beyond excited about today's interview. I have with me Father Timothy Gallagher. Hi, Father Gallagher. Hi, Elizabeth. I'm so excited you're here. So y'all, I discovered one of Father Gallagher's books, the one on the examine, actually, right after I had my reversion back in college. So like 2007, and it very much revolutionized my prayer life. I was able to use the tools in Father Gallagher's book to reflect on the blessings and the shortcomings of my day each day and really rest in the mercy of Jesus in a way that I hadn't been able to before. And that my Protestant upbringing didn't really allow for, um, in my experience. So it was super transformative for me. And since then I have read numerous books of his and each one has the same approachable style, but with a very rich depth. And I love them. So I was so delighted to read his new book, Discernment of Spirits in Marriage, and see that the same relatable style is applied to the married vocation. So I'm thrilled to get to have him here with me today to talk to you about both this critical concept of discerning spirits and this new book that he has. So are you ready to get started, Father Gallagher? Well said. (laughs) All right. So would you begin by giving us a definition of discernment in this context and then explain how it it differs from or is similar to discerning one's vocation? So same word, but will you kind of break that down for us, please? Well, Ignatius of Loyola is really the master here in the church's spiritual tradition. So I'll I'll answer that according to his teaching. Perfect. Ignatius of Loyola teaches two forms of discernment. They overlap, but they are distinct. One is discernment of the will of God. So that's probably what we think of more often when we think of discernment. Here's a choice, uh, state in life, marriage, career, whatever choice it may be. And I'm free to choose various options. I want to discern which option God wants so that I can do his will. The second kind of discernment is discernment of spirits. And what that deals with is the ongoing spiritual experience in our lives. We all know that as we live our spiritual lives, there are ups and downs. There are times when God feels very close, prayer is alive, uh, we have energy for spiritual things, we uh, find energy and joy in taking new steps to grow in the spiritual life. But if we're honest, we'll also recognize that, and for reasons we don't always understand, the bottom seems to drop out of that energy. And then at such times, Uh, Again, if we're honest, if I may say it reverently, it's hard to even want to pray and maybe we don't pray or we're not happy with the quality of our prayer. Um, All that energy for spiritual steps just seems to have washed away. 
um, the faith formation group, reading of scripture, uh, liturgy of the hour, whatever it might be, the, the energy is, and there's a kind of heaviness in our, our spiritual life. Now, these ups and downs are going on, <clears throat> excuse me, all the time in our spiritual lives. Ignatius' teaching on discernment of spirits is a teaching which equips us to be aware of that experience, these daily ups and downs, understand it, and then know what to do about it. Now, as I said, there's an overlap because discernment of spirits is one of the ways in which God may give clarity in discernment of uh, his will and choices that we face. So I hope that's clear enough what we're speaking of here. <laughs> yes, and I love, one of the things I love that you say um, I've read your, your just general discernment of spirits books as well, but you also say that in this marriage one is that there's nothing to be ashamed of when you go through a spiritual desolation. It's just normal, right? So I love that. that so important. You know, I've been teaching these rules for almost 40 years now, and not one person has ever yet said to me, uh, Father Gallagher, you say too often that there's no shame in experiencing spiritual desolation. You don't need to hear that. <laughs> No, we, we always do. need to hear it. I do. Even my spiritual director says that to me at times, and we both smile. Because we contend that's part of the trap of the enemy's discouragement mm. and spiritual desolation is to feel, look at you, you know, something wrong with you. You're the only one. This shouldn't happen after all this time in the spiritual life. No, there is no shame in experiencing mm. the discouragement of spiritual desolation. What does matter and that this is discernment of spirits. Be aware of what's going on, have your eyes open, be able to name it in this case for the spiritual desolation, the discouraging lie of the enemy that it is, and then use the tools wisely to reject it so that not only does it not harm you, but that as you work to reject it, you're actually growing in the spiritual life. Mm, so there's no shame in the feeling, but we do have a responsibility to recognize the feeling, to own the feeling, to make concrete <clears throat> steps and actions after we recognize we feel it. Very much so, whether it's spiritual consolation, which is a work of God's grace, you know, the joyful feelings of um, and uplifting feelings and thoughts that go with that, or whether it's the heavy, discouraging spiritual desolation from the enemy. The fact that we experience the one and or the other uh, is simply spiritual experience, whether God's gift of grace in spiritual consolation or the enemy's attempt to discourage in spiritual desolation. But then, then our freedom does come in because we do need to make choices with regard to it. And that's where Ignatius uniquely in our spiritual Catholic spiritual tradition uh, equips us to understand this experience and gives clear and usable rules, guidelines, principles for uh, responding to it. Absolutely. Um, so we have had Father David Lugo, a Jesuit priest on the podcast to give us an overview of Ignatian discernment. Father Gallagher, would you please elaborate on the role of these rules that you just mentioned in Ignatius's teaching overall? Um, the fundamental focus of Ignatius, I'm going to fo focus right now on the 14 rules, which is what okay. I imagine we're speaking about, yes. and that they are the subject of the Discernment of Spirits in Marriage, the book. The essential goal that Ignatius has in that set of rules is to equip us to understand this tactic of the enemy, this discouraging tactic of the enemy, which he calls spiritual desolation. Spiritual desolation is heaviness of heart on the spiritual level, on the level of our relationship with God. Spiritual consolation is the exact contrary, and that's uplifting movements of the heart, joy, hope, gratitude, love, on the level of our relationship with God. Now, of the two, obviously, spiritual consolation is primary. What God does is always more important than what the enemy attempts to do, but there are fewer problems with that, you know, with uh, 
welcoming that and, and allowing the Lord to love us through that. And because these are practical roles, Ignatius focuses primarily where the greater need is, and that is to help us understand and reject spiritual desolation. So that's the primary focus of his teaching of discernment of rule of spirits as we see it in these 14 rules. It's a wonderful, blessed, life-giving, hope-filled path toward freedom from the enemy's attempt to discourage us in the spiritual life. Hmm. So one of the lines in the book, it was pretty early on and you repeated it later and it just, it stuck with me and I loved it. It was, these rules set captives free, free from discouragement and free to serve God. So I just felt, even as I was reading it, I felt such a deep desire for that kind of freedom in my life. Um, I've experienced some, but you know, in the Lord, there's always more. So will you describe this type of freedom that is awaiting people who study and live by these rules? I think it's fair to say that for most dedicated people, and I'm going to guess that anyone listening to this podcast would fit that profile. Now, yeah, the just man falls seven times a day, and we have our struggles and weak moments and so forth. But people who sincerely are people of faith, love the Lord, and want to be faithful to the Lord and serve the Lord in their lives. I think it's true to say that for most such dedicated people, the real obstacle in the spiritual life is not necessarily, although we can experience it at times, temptation to serious sin, but on the more daily level, just this um, effort of the enemy to discourage us and dishearten us. You know, voices like this, you try to pray this day and it's distracted and difficult. And there's that insinuation, look at you after all these years in the spiritual life, look at how poorly you do this. Don't think you're ever going to be much of a man or woman of prayer. Look at you um, raising your voice with your child. Yeah, make your efforts, but don't think you're ever going to be much of a father or a mother um, and, and so forth. You know, I don't even like putting these things into words, but it's important so that we see it clearly. I think for most dedicated people, and I'd say Elizabeth in the present circumstances all the more, because there are things happening in the world and the culture around us mm. that can easily uh, create vulnerabilities to desolation. This is the main obstacle, what Ignatius calls spiritual desolation, when we get discouraged. And so this teaching, which uniquely effectively teaches us to understand that and to know how to respond to it, is such, it's one of the greatest gifts that Ignatius gives us, or let's say that the Spirit gives us through Ignatius. And that's why I've spent 40 years now, you know, teaching this and writing about it. And not because I consciously planned it. What happened was when I first began talking about this, the response more than the reading and study that I did, the excitement in people, the sense that, oh, you mean you're not asking me, Lord, to live subject to that discouraging heaviness in my heart, that you, you do call me to freedom and that there's a, there's a doable way to that freedom. That, that can revolutionize the spiritual life. Sometimes I almost literally see a light go on in people's eyes when we do this. So that, that's, that's why this is so important. That was certainly my experience coming across these. Absolutely. So it, as you mentioned, there are 14 and it is outside the scope of this podcast to go into all 14 of them. Of course, they're in the book. Um, and I know that you also have a podcast that lists, uh, that kind of elaborates on these some more as well, Father Gallagher, but one rule in particular um, plays a very significant uh, role just kind of in generally in people's spiritual lives. And I would love it if you would elaborate. It is rule five. Um, and I, we actually have a funny story about this. So, well, 
should I tell the funny story first, Father Gallagher, or should I have you explain what rule five is first? Let's explain what the rule is first. That's what I was thinking. All right. So explain it, please. And then talk with us about its critical importance to the spiritual life. And then we'll tell you a story. So I would say that um, if you never forget rule five, in fact, I would beg of anyone listening, please never forget rule five, because it will, of itself, it will get you safely through almost any darkness mm. you may experience in the spiritual life. And it can be summed up in eight words. This is a literal, literal quote from St. Ignatius, in time of desolation. So things didn't go well at work today uh, with the children, you're discouraged, you're tired, you don't feel like you want to pray. You don't feel God's closeness. You're in a time of spiritual desolation. No shame, but you're in a time of spiritual desolation. So Ignatius says, in time of desolation, never make a change. I'll say that again. In time of desolation, never make a change. Eight words that will bless you forever. So you plan to go to confession at four o'clock on Friday, uh, on Saturday, and you have it on the calendar. And you love confession. You know how beneficial it is. But then um, on Friday, you have that difficult day at work or at home, prayer slipped, Saturday morning, you find yourself thinking, you know what, maybe I'm not in the right um, conditions right now to go to confession. Maybe I'll, 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 I'll go next week, right? There's rule five, two questions. Are you in a time of spiritual desolation? Yes. Are you in a time of spiritual desolation thinking of changing a spiritual proposal that you had in place before the desolation began? Yes. Whenever the answer to those two questions is yes, rule five tells you very clearly what you should not do and what you should do. You should not change that plan to go to confession. Get yourself there at four o'clock exactly as planned. And very likely the confession itself will break the power of the spiritual desolation. You normally pray for 20 minutes in the morning before going to work. The preceding day was difficult. You get up, you just don't have any energy. You know what, maybe I'll pray when I get home from work. Same two questions. And we can go, I plan to go on that retreat. I plan to go to the Bible study on Wednesday evening. I plan to pray, pray the rosary app in my car, returning home from work, whatever it might be in small, in quotes small, because they're all important to the largest things, vocational choices themselves. Never make a change in time of desolation and you'll get safely through almost any darkness you may ever experience. Mm. Um. You, you just mentioned something that I really want to highlight that you said the, the little thing or small things in quotes, but they're all really important. One of the things you'd mentioned in the book that I want to make sure our listeners hear is you said the spiritual life is made up of these little bitty steps forward. All of these matter, like every, you know, not praying the rosary because you're in the sphere, of this place of desolation, you made a change that matters all of the, as little and inconsequential as it may feel in the moment, it matters, it matters, it matters. So I wanted to highlight that. Um, okay, rule five. So we have a funny story, actually, Father Gallagher and I. So my husband uh, was in seminary for a few years before he discerned out and we started dating. And he went to the Institute for Priestly Formation, um, which is a spiritual uh, formation program that a number of uh, diocesan seminarians go through. And he took a course from Father Gallagher there. And this would have been a really long time ago. Um, but I, I, I'm assuming y'all were studying the the spiritual rule, or I mean the rules, um, because rule five is what y'all were talking about and it stuck out to him. Will you, uh, I'm so excited. I'm like getting jumbled when I think about this. Okay. So rule five made such an impact on my husband that this is something that even after he discerned out of seminary and he knew he was called to marriage and he was creating, um, 
or building upon his spiritual life as a lay person, rule five stuck with him so much. Um, and so that's something that's a big part of our marriage. We talk about it on a very regular basis, like rule five, rule five, don't make a change in desolation. Um, and he told me this funny story that probably partly contributed to why rule five stuck out to him. But so Father Gallagher, will you tell us about uh, this story that you told them? Sure. For years when I would uh, teach rule five, when we get to that point, I would say someday I want to see a t-shirt that says, I heart rule five. I love rule five. <laughs> well, I said it uh, to this group, about 180 seminarians there in front of me in this big uh, kind of um, theater classroom. And uh, didn't think any more about it until one day, one of the seminarians a few weeks later approached me and he said, here, and he handed <laughs> me this, this red t-shirt and in white letters on the front was written, I heart rule five. And on the back was written, Ignatius rules, exclamation point, which was pretty clever. <laughs> so uh, every year since, I always, at that point in the teaching, I always get that shirt out and show it to, to, uh, to people and they enjoy it. Actually, there's a postscript because this uh, last summer, <clears throat> some other seminarians made um, another t-shirt and on the front it says, stay alive with rule five, which is great. <laughs> I love that. It's so true. It's so true. And it's blessed our marriage so much. So I'm so glad he learned that and it stuck with him because it's made a big impact on us. So y'all rule five, remember rule five. So you wrote later in the book, uh, quote, it helps so much not to be alone in times of desolation, close quote. And you were talking about how married couples can talk with each other about the different things going on in their spiritual life. Maybe an example would be that my husband and I talk about rule five and the way that it needs to make an impact in our life. Um, and so you said it helps so much not to be alone in times of desolation. So obviously you wrote the book and you intended that statement to be for marital intimacy, right? For people who are already married. Um, but how, how can this intimacy or maybe how should this intimacy manifest in a dating couple or in people who are still discerning kind of where's that boundary there? Um, of how they can kind of share in this and support each other, but respect the fact that they're not married yet. Mm -hmm. It's a general principle in the, in the whole of the spiritual life, which we have from the very beginning of Genesis, you know, when God says it is not good for the man to be alone. And that applies not only, in, excuse me, in its immediate context of marriage, but across the board in the spiritual life. Um, think, for example, of the encyclical that we just got the other day from Pope Francis, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> which is precisely about this fraternity, you know, social friendship that he writes about that we're not meant to be alone. So we have in the church's spiritual tradition, things like the, the uh, classical practice of spiritual direction. It's why we have, for example, parishes. We're not meant to be alone as we live our life of faith. Uh, there are various groups in the church in a parish will have various groups in marriage you have one unique that is unique to the vocation of marriage way of not being alone which is not uh, attempting to be formal spiritual direction but just the accompaniment husbands and wives can give each other in that conjugal relationship which is a beautiful thing so for those who are not yet married and are exploring a call to marriage is something like spiritual direction possible? It may be. Uh, if it is, obviously that would be a wonderful thing while you're going through the discernment, almost the best thing you could do. Could you make a retreat in which you'd have a chance to speak maybe once or twice to the uh, spiritual director of the retreat? There's a big difference between discerning marriage when you're completely alone and when you've had even one or two chances to speak to 
somebody who is competent to help you. Sometimes retreats can make all the difference in that discernment. The sacrament of confession is another wonderful resource this way. Is there a priest with whom you feel able to be open, to whom you could go to confession in a regular way? And, um, and in that relationship of confessor and person going to confession, as you get to know each other, it might be possible that some very helpful things could be said in that way. So that in addition to the grace of the sacrament, you're also accompanied. Are there others who are discerning and you could get together and pray together and just share together? So the more ways in which we can be accompanied and not alone on the discernment, the journey of discernment, the, the stronger our discernment is going to be. Not uh, to add something, this is Ignatius Rule 13, actually. Where, and I'll, I'll add this then. If I said that Rule 5 would get us safely through almost any darkness in the spiritual life, Rules 5 and 13 together will get us safely through any darkness we may ever experience in the spiritual life. Don't make changes in the darkness of desolation and find a wise and competent spiritual person and speak. Don't be alone. Not just anybody, but a wise and competent, properly prepared spiritual person. If you do those two things, you're going to get safely through any darkness you may ever experience. And your discernment is going to go forward uh, with so much greater strength. Hmm. Um, so we only have a couple of questions left that I wanted to ask, and I'm going to veer a little bit from this discernment of spirits and marriage book to something that's tangentially related, um, that I just wanted to hear Father Gallagher talk about a little bit. So, um, I saw another book that you had written on Instagram, uh, or, uh, I saw on Instagram that you had written this other book um, call, about Venerable Bruno. And I was reading this retreat, again, in a, in a separate book, um, about the Ignatian rules. Um, it was a Father Michael Gately book. And it talked about Venerable Bruno in that book and how he was so affected by um, these rules and by Ignatius' spirituality. And then I saw that you had written, you, a person that I trusted, wrote another, a book about Venerable Bruno. I didn't know anything about this guy. Uh, but as I'm reading through this um, spiritual discouragement book about Venerable Bruno, I'm just so struck by how he has so many practical things about the spiritual life to say to lay people. I just, I love that. Like he has just has so many things that are relevant. And as I'm reading this book, I love it. So I just wanted, um, because we had a few minutes left, I wanted to give you an opportunity. If there's maybe anything that's kind of on your heart, Father Gallagher, um, to talk about to this generally lay audience about maybe something that Venerable Bruno has to say, or, or something related to the kind of the spiritual life and the rules and Venerable Bruno, something like that. Oh, very happily. So this is Venerable Bruno Lanteri, an Italian priest who lived 200 years ago. His cause of canonization is well advanced at this point, and that's uh, what, it, what it means. The church has certified that he lived virtue to a heroic degree, and we're just waiting for a certified miracle for him to be beatified. Um, and you're, you're really right. That little book, Overcoming Spiritual Discouragement, I think will speak to lay people because most of it, there are 114 quotations from his spiritual writings around the theme of overcoming spiritual discouragement. And most of them come from letters of spiritual direction that he wrote to lay people. You know, here's a mother of four children. There's a father of seven, um, a, a number of them. And I think what people find as you read that is, uh, oh, he's speaking to me. Yes. All right. If I can, since the time is what it is, I'll just highlight one thing. And that's the theme of beginning again, in which he says, if I should fall a thousand times a day, a thousand times a day, 
I will begin again with peace in my heart without being troubled, asking if I needed forgiveness of a God who delights to give it and then beginning again. I have seen that teaching give heart and encouragement to so many people. What it says is there is nothing you can ever have done in your life. Nowhere you can ever have been in your spiritual life. No struggle, no weakness, no sin, no frailty that can ever have been part of your life or be part of it now that can ever stop you right now from turning to God if you need it, asking the forgiveness that he thrills to give for the loving father that he is, and then beginning again. It's such a liberating teaching, but that's just one little um, taste of what uh, he has to say about this. So beautiful. So beautiful. So last question, Father Gallagher, what is one practical tip related to the discernment of spirits that someone who's discerning marriage could implement in their life today? Something practical they can take away from this podcast and start doing to kind of advance them closer to the heart of Jesus. Well, my suggestion would be to get to know the 14 rules. We mentioned two of them, rule five and 13, which is a small taste of the value in all of them. And very concretely, I would suggest uh, downloading the Discerning Hearts app. You can also get this on discerninghearts.com on the web, but this is a free resource. Um, Downloading the Discerning Hearts app and then uh, scrolling down, you'll find my name there. Uh, Tap on that and then there are a number of series of podcasts. Tap on the one entitled Discernment of Spirits. And in 16 half-hour podcasts, that will take you through all 14 rules. So you can do it while you're driving, exercising, getting dinner, whatever it might be, and get to be familiar with those rules. And I promise you this, any time that you put into getting to those 14 rules will bless you um, wonderfully. You, you will always be glad that you did it. So that's one. So it's a free resource, too, if I didn't say that. Perfect. So um, um, that's my warm recommendation. That is excellent and so practical. And you're already listening to a podcast, so it'll be really easy for you to go find this other one to listen to as well. Um, Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Father Gallagher. I'm so grateful for the work you're doing for the church and honestly, in my life and in my marriage and my motherhood, I'm just so grateful. So we're so honored to have had you. Been a privilege to be here and I love what you're doing, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. Um, So as a reminder, everyone, the link to purchase Father Gallagher's incredible new book is in the show notes. I'll also include the link to the spiritual discouragement book um, about Venerable Bruno because it is really blessing me also, and I'm hopeful it will bless you. Um, I highly recommend these as tools to help you prepare well for marriage. So thank you so much, Father Gallagher. Have a good day. You're very welcome. Blessings. Bye. Y'all, I loved getting to record that episode. I loved getting to chat with Father Gallagher and getting to um, help elaborate on some of these elements of discernment of spirits that are relevant to you in this season of life that you're in. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as well. Uh, Just as we wrap up, I have a couple more things to tell you about. So the first is the TOB Congress that I've been talking about. It's coming up at the end of this month. So in just a couple weeks um, and a link to more information is in the show notes. And I'm also speaking at the Catholic Engage Summit, which is also at the end of this month. So more information at the uh, in the show notes. Um, so I hope that y'all, again, I hope you enjoyed it and I hope that the Lord is able to move in your heart through this work. So until next time, stay close to the heart of Jesus and be not afraid. 
The Discerning Marriage Podcast is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute. For more information about discerning marriage, visit discerningmarriage.com. To learn more about the theology of the body, visit tobinstitute.org.